Hello listeners and welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast, the podcast where guests talk their way through the six beers that changed everything. I'm your host Ian McNally and in this episode I'm talking to Scott from Aussie Brewery Tours. Now Scott was just really entertaining in this episode. He didn't tend to really delve down into the science of the beers and the, the malt profiles and the IBUs and all that. But he had some great stories about why he drank certain beers and what they opened up for him. So really hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to The Chosen Brew, the podcast where guests talk their way through the six beers that changed everything. And today we're in the shadow of a big boy uh, the Garland United Brewery, but we're in the niche uh, Moondog uh, Brewery, which is a couple of streets over, and I have my uh, wonderful guest, um, Scott, from Aussie Brewery Tours. So welcome, Scott. Cheers. Thanks very much. Now, for us. Scott, tell us, um, first off, you're, you've got a bit of an interesting niche in the Melbourne beer scene. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, obviously we, um, you know, maybe some of the listeners would have heard of us before, but probably not been on our tours because they're all probably massive beer geeks who uh, probably visit the breweries about as much as we do, you know. Um, but we run Aussie brewery tours, so we've got um, you know Yarra Valley tours, Mornington, Urban. Uh, you know, we did public and private tours, so you can jump on a public one and come out with us, you know, five, six days a week, uh, nighttime tours, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and we're just um, launching a couple of new products as we speak. So I was uh, doing a little bit of copy of those for the websites today and uh, and things like that, so quite fun. We're being we're being interrupted by Sam, the uh, the venue manager at Moondog. She came running over, <laughs> saying about the buildings on fire. But now it's all good. Uh, she thought there was going to be a big explosion. The hopefully in a brewery, yeah. there's enough liquid to deal with a fire. <laughs> but um, we, we it's that it's kind of do we waste it on the fire? Or? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> or do we just sit here and go down with the ship, you know. So. The reason to say you're in a quite an interesting niche is because your role, you're introducing a lot of people new to beer. And how long have you been operating? As uh, we've been operating five years, so which sounds um, ridiculous when I say it out loud. Uh, because it's probably the longest thing I've ever done in some <laughs> ways, you know. And it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like that long. To be honest, the first year, year and a half, um, I was almost playing at having a business. It was it, it was so new. Uh, we didn't know what was going on, all that kind of stuff. More new noise. Things are things are breaking down here <laughs> at uh, Moondog Brewery. Um, yeah, but one of the things that is fun about it, and up until especially I reckon the before the last year, you know, I think craft beer is getting some main, mainstream uh, appeal now, as far as like people. Uh, you know that that used to be maybe your VB drinkers or your you know your big boy drinkers. If that uh, they really are drinking some other things now, whether it be little creatures, whether it be stone and wood, whether it be whatever. So people, it's kind of it got a bit of an acceptance. Most pubs have some other choice and all that kind of stuff. But before that, it was interesting because people, uh, especially in the say the tourism industry, assumed that our major market was people that were into craft beer, but it wasn't. It was the 98% of drinkers who were still drinking one of, you know, Lion or CUB's products. So it was kind of fun to be out with people for the first time, you know, giving them a Goza or giving them, I don't know, you know, a Rauk beer or or whatever, you know, porters and and watching that um, experience. And one of the good things, if you, I think if you set it up in the right way um, with people, 
you can help break down some of the, the boundaries that would exist if they were having it themselves. Mm. So, it, therefore, if your tour is done kind of correct or if, if our job is done correct as tour guides, when we give it to them, we kind of strip away all those preconceived notions and, le- and they, they get to just decide whether they or not they like it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I think there's a, a big difference between sort of um, being on one of your tours where, you know, something's being put in your hand, but it's being put in everybody's hand. Yes. Uh, whereas if you go into, say, even Moondog or whatever brewery it is, you walk in, it can be quite... That list behind a bar, it, the chalk list, can Correct. be quite intimidating yes. if you don't know much about beer. 100%. And you will always be looking for that, you know, the yes. VB tap or the cart just to play safe. Yes. Um, and giving people that, I think, even that idea about why you might drink something or why it was invented or historically why it came about. Uh, you know, we often get it on um, tour. You know, you bring over the pale ale and you, you say to somebody, uh, you know, this is the pale ale. And, and, and you know, the, the number one response you get, well, it's not very pale. And you say, well, in historical context, it was pale. You know what I mean? <laughs> but again, like, I get, the, I get that answer yeah, yeah, yeah. because when you get a lot of pale ales, it can be quite a dark um, sort of colour. So when you can kind of explain these things to people, I think it helps with that kind of stuff. And if you look at a, a lot of the research to it, beer is one of the most parochial products. So therefore, we often do have these really preconceived notions about what we should be drinking based on that parochialism. You know, the green cans from Victoria or, you know, once upon a time we all drunk Fosters and now we don't because the Palms and Yanks drink it, so it's not our, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. so that we have these really set things. So if you kind of create this environment that's a lot of fun where you, you break down that and you're like, let's just give everything a go, people then really kind of get into it a lot of the time. So it's, it's good. Because that is probably one of the more intimidating things if you're um, new to craft beer. When you look on the the shelves or you look at um, the beer coming out of the tap and it, it's labelled pale ale, but it can be radically different in colour, radically yes. different in taste. So the name of it isn't really a guide to what you are getting. Yeah, so it's actually a big... Um, I, I don't know. If I, I think if I had something that I could... Uh, I know that the craft beer industry has been really focused on quality over the last like year and a half, like CBIA and all that kind of stuff, about really trying to make sure that craft beer you know, hits a... a maybe a minimum quality or something like that, or, you know, is really a, a good standard across the board. I think one of the other things for me is the labelling. I actually think that's a big thing that, as an industry, we need to sort out, that idea of it needs to actually say Australian Pale Ale, American Pale Ale, and then when you brew it, it has to at least fit somewhat onto that style. You can make up your own style if you really want to, or you can, you know, bastardise two styles together or whatever, but you have to kind of, I think, do that because of that. I mean, can you imagine if the wine world, you know, back in the 60s or 70s, just like one winery just went, oh, we'll just call that a Shiraz. It may be a Chardonnay, but we'll just call it Shiraz anyway because everyone else makes a Shiraz. We don't have Shiraz grapes, and we'll do it. You know, it, 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 it's ludicrous to even think that that would have occurred, but we are doing that in the beer industry where... Things aren't to style, or you know, they're, yeah, they're just labelled completely wrong or weird. Yeah, well, I think there is kind of some attempt to differentiate by calling things like XPA or double IBA or whatever yes. it is, but that tends to lead to more confusion rather yes, than clearing correct. up. And um, so, that I imagine that on your tours, that is quite a great conversation starter because how do you decipher? From yeah, the tap, that is, yes. it's yeah. a very hard job for you to explain, uh, and uh, the plausibility yeah. of it. I think, I mean, I think that's one of the, as I say, one of the reasons I think people kind of uh, are very approachable on our tours. If you set up the tour in a right, and we often do even talk about some of those big, um, 
again, I think that has come about. Like, there's a lot of urban legends around beer about you know who makes it or what it's made out of or all of these kind of things that which i i think i mean this is a theory that i have but i think it's because for a long time it was a male dominated industry and men like to pretend like we know things you know that's <laughs> that's what we do you know whether it be you know the latest uh you know corporate takeover we know why it's happening or we you know whether it be things that are completely outside our scope of reality you know i've often said if you want to get you know attract five guys just get a classic car pop the bonnet leave it there and they'll be standing around <laughs> it within three or four minutes you know gawking at it they don't know what they're looking at you know we, we don't know how it works but we kind of like to do these things you know if there's a problem we like to think that we have a solution so because of that there's a lot of um yeah urban legendy kind of things around beer and yeah we they they come up on tour time and time again either by people asking or people repeating them and, and things like that so it's, it's fun kind of breaking down some of those myths yeah so tell us uh scott the year one Five years ago seems like a lifetime in, yep. in craft beer in, in Melbourne. I mean, tell us what was happening on the tours and, and maybe where you're going to year one and yeah. then how that's changed. Um, I think the, the actual concept and, and how we run the tours, to be honest, hasn't changed a lot because I guess that was... I had like a vision of how I wanted it to run and I've, I think I... Whether or not I nailed that, or but I, I haven't changed that that much. You know what I mean? Trip so, advisor says you have. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. I mean, which I get. Well, I think I think that the general premise was to be laid back, be informative, and talk a lot about um, beer and drinking culture. That's what we we love on tour. You, you sort of get that. So it, it's not all about hops and malt and things like that. It's it's about mm. um, you know why and having fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it's a couple of things that have changed. We could not get an urban tour up to save our life for years, and now we could do the same route three times over and not probably hit the same spots almost so because there's that many new wow. breweries and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know. So, couple of the regions were just about to open, same kind of thing. Breweries didn't even exist there. A few years back, we're just about to open them up. Um, I think that's probably the main two is just that sort of, um, yeah, there's a lot more breweries, a lot more choice, a lot more awesome venues, a lot more variety in what we can do and all that kind of stuff. That's that's probably the main. The ma- and then, as I said, in the, especially in the last year, I think the knowledge of the people on tour or just what they're drinking has definitely changed. Mm. I, I think even 18 months ago, you still had a predominantly a group of people that came on the tour that had probably never really drunk much craft or any craft at all. Whereas now you're seeing it a lot with, yeah, as I said, local pubs having it. You know, you see a lot of um, guys in particular that at their work, you know, they have like bring a slab night or bring a six-pack night on a Wednesday after work where you've got to bring something different and all that kind of stuff. And I think that there's not as much pushback about craft. I think for a long time... Some people in particular were scared of craft, like they were going to take mm. away their favourite beer or this was new or was some hipster bullshit or whatever they were worried about. But there was almost that, like, I will refuse to drink that because no, you know, whereas now they're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, why not? It's, kind of it's, yeah. it's on Australian. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it was all those things, yeah. You know, whatever they... Uh, but now I think that, I think those that is changing and, and those people are now you know, quite happy to... I mean, I even had mates that I know deep down thought I was a massive wanker because I had a craft beer <laughs> tour company. You know, you'd think you'd be happy that your mate had a, had a you know, a beer um, or anything to do with beer, really. But um, yeah, but even though, you know, I go out with those lads now and, and they they don't 
even blink about ordering whatever's on the menu, you know. Or, or we, I was, you know, down in Phillip Island with one mate that was a bit like that, and we went to one of the breweries down there, and he was just loving it. Didn't even, you know, it was sort of his idea to go there. So that's what I think's changed. So Scott, one of the reasons I got you on the podcast was because you're opening the door for a lot of people on the tours, perhaps who've never had a shall we say a, a flavor some beer yes and um you're holding a hand through that process so and also i feel like you would have been exposed to lots of different beers and and lots of different um you know beer situations sure. as well you i can't know. wait till we see number one then number one. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it let's go for number one um well my first is actually um probably from about 1999 so this will give my age away a little bit this is probably when i was um, going to parties after after football, after school, and things like that. Backpack on, you know, maybe cruising to multiples, and it was the uh, the Foster's uh, Wide Mouth Can. And I have to actually say, it wasn't just Foster's; it was the Foster's Wide Mouth Can because the delivery system, in some ways, was <laughs> as important as what was in it. But uh, I don't know if for the listeners who are old enough to to remember. Uh, they bought out Melbourne Bitter and they bought out Foster's in a wide mouth can. They ended up getting banned. The government came along and said, uh, you can't have the wide mouth. It was originally on <laughs> Solo, I think, was the, the thirst crusher. So Really? Yeah. So it was basically the, you know, the, you had the old, um, you know, can opening and the, the wide mouth was like double the size. Uh, and actually, after they made it illegal, they just made all the cans a little bit wider. That was how they got around <laughs> it. You know, again, once, you know, try and stop them using law and legislation and they just make all the cans wider. So therefore, there's no such thing as a wide mouth can anymore. Um, but that was kind of, yeah, just I guess, you know, everyone who started drinking beer had to start drinking somewhere. So before I was maybe, you know, having a beer with my parents or, or doing that kind of thing when I was actually spending my own money. Uh, and going to a bottle shop or getting someone else to go to a bottle shop and buy me some beers. That was kind of the beer of choice. Um, I did like the flavour. It was one of the reasons I liked it. I mean, you know, Foster's was just a simple, easy-to-drink, crushable kind of lager. Um, you know, the cans, easy to carry around in your backpack to a party or things along those lines. And, yeah, as I said, the, the wide-mouth uh, delivery system of well, choice. Well, having grown up in the, uh, in the UK, Foster's is everywhere. Foster's is in every pub. It's yes. a, it's a, a remarkable export. Yes. It's a remarkable success story in that respect. And one of the biggest surprises for anyone from the UK coming to Australia is correct. Where's Foster's? Yeah, where is it? Yeah, you, you can hardly see a, any resemblance yeah. of it. And I think I think the thing that even um, it's again it goes on to one of those other um, parochialisms. I think of beer is that it it comes up on tour every so often. Someone will mention Foster's or. Um, what especially we we get a lot of internationals on, you know, Americans, can, um, Canadians, um, the British, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, if they're on, you know, it's always like, oh, do you expect to see Fosters here? Or they say like, where's all the Fosters? Um, <laughs> and it's funny because all the Aussies on tour will be like, oh, it's such a shit crap beer. Like, who drinks that? It's just that's bollocks. And you you can't every time they do it, I'm kind of like, have you actually ha- like had it? And what else are you drinking that you think it's that bad? Does that make sense? Is in like if you if you can drink Vic or whatever, if you can drink really any. Um, lager, like you know, Peroni, whatever. I mean, even any of the craft lagers, Foster's is not that terrible. Like, if you put it into a different thing and gave it to people, I, I don't think you would get the same. But it's that parochialism, and it's that even that thing of they're like, they're so proud that we don't drink it, you know, <laughs> where you're like, yeah, well, we used to drink it. That was why it went overseas. They took it overseas because it was our most popular beer when they took it. But there's that thing of like, now that the Yanks and Poms drink it. <laughs> 
You know, like it's a <laughs> what dirty... What do they know about yeah, 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 like, and, and it's like a dirty joke. Like, you know, like we all <laughs> pretended to love it for like, you know, like 40 years, made it Australia's number one selling beer so then we could trick the Yanks and Poms into taking it <laughs> off our hands and now we don't drink it anymore, you know? Thank God for our parents and grandparents' sacrifice to crap beer just so that we could, you know, trick them into having it. I don't, I don't know what the, the big joke is, but yeah, it's kind of funny that, um, yeah, Australians just have a like hatred and loathing for it well one of the funny things in the uk is that one of the advertising taglines for a long time with fosters was an, uh, an australian uh, it wasn't even a good australian accent i think they'd got <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. british actor to do the accent and the, it said you wouldn't want a warm beer and yeah, really? the, the british thing is is yeah, we would. <laughs> yeah, it's like, actually, it's really, it's really cold outside. Yeah, what was that? Actually, warm beer is in, in, in America, it, um, the tagline, because I used to live in the States, and the tagline was um, Foster's uh, Australian for beer. And people used to um, stop you when they found out you were an Aussie and say, is Foster's really Australian for beer? <laughs> like, it's actually like a slang. Like, you can just say, you know, like, uh, you know, like, pass me a Kleenex or something like that. You know, you can just be like, oh, Chuck is a Foster's. Do you know what I mean? Someone just throws you a throws you a and they had them in these massive cans over there bottles and because and that, that's what they like off that Simpsons thing that's what they think that we have that we're all rocking around with these like one and a half litre cans you know and, and smashing uh, Fosters it's kind of yeah it's a taken on a life of its own I think the the Foster's myths and the urban legends. Well, a wide mouth delivery system. There's a lot to be applauded for. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, that's what it, it's, it does crack me up because I, again, I think um, we hear a lot when people talk about it on tour or whatever, and they're like, no one really drinks that. And a lot of the Aussies, you know, even at the table my age, unless they've been to the UK or you know the states or Canada, are saying they're like, yeah, I've never ha- had it. And I often say, well, the only reason I really drunk it at that age was because <laughs> of that. Like, I didn't walk into the bottle shop, try 20 beers, decide that Foster's was the one I liked the taste of, and then had it. It just happened to be that we walked in, realized that, like, two of the cans had wide mouths, had them both, decided that Foster's was the tastier, and, and rolled on. Yeah, so some of the um, craft brewers now are, are canning in those ones where you just peel off the whole lid. The whole lid yes. comes <laughs> off. It got a bit of a shock as to when it did that. So that they're way behind the times. Yeah, Foster's cr- was cr- there, yeah. way ahead of the curve. So 100%. well done, Foster's. Um, well, I think let's go choice two. Yes. Um, this was I chose this one because it was probably um, the first, I guess, cr- craft or bo- boutique um, beer um, that I'd probably ever had. I actually, um, it was a beer that Dad used to drink. It's uh, Matilda Redback. Mm. Um, so obviously, sort of their their wheat beer. Um, and it was kind of the beer that my dad drank um, when he wanted to treat himself. Mm. Uh, we had special glasses for it. Um, it what you know, it wasn't something that he just bought all the time. So he might he might have just bought it to treat himself, or if someone was coming around, if we're having a you know a, whatever an event or a dinner at at home and things like that. And I think even again that that must have kind of stuck with me that kind of idea that this was a nicer beer. And it was again you know Dad grew up in that era where there was mostly just other lagers on tap, so he would sort of switch between different lagers and and move you know three months he'd be drinking this one and then he'd get bored of it and drink something else but they were all roughly the same beer in a lot of ways but this one was kind of different and you know i can remember having it sometimes with lemon when i was a kid and all that kind of stuff and to the point where um i really liked it i developed quite a a fondness for the for the flavor Uh, and i can still remember getting my first um 
paycheck. Uh, it's funny that we still call them checks. Uh, but I got my first pay as an adult. Um, you know, with my first real job, uh, for not not when I was sort of a growing up. And I was going to a party, and I went and, and bought a slab of um, Matilda Bay. Redback, which I had to go to another bottle shop because my local bottle <laughs> shop didn't have it because it was a bit, bit fancy and uh, and it it cost me a ridiculous amount of money. Like yeah, I, I can't so remember how much, but it was you know what I mean. It was like seventy bucks a slab when all other beers were like you know twenty eight or something like wow. that. Wow! Um, but you know I was flush with cash because I had a proper grown up job and a paycheck at eighteen <laughs> or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, so you know that was that was that one. Wow, so that I was that was one of the questions in my mind was to ask you what the price differential was, but that that is significant, isn't it? So yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was expensive. Yeah. Like it was even, it would I think it was even, a, a price that now would not be cheap mm. for a beer. Does that make sense? It would fit yeah. it into the the same kind of craft category as what you would pay now. The difference between you know your average sort of lager on sale and. And whatever else, my Foster's wide mouth can on sale. Yeah, so it's quite up. a for a rusted on, uh, you know, lager drinker. It's yes. quite a, a yeah. Quite well, a commitment I feel like to there, buy. There was at that stage as well. There probably weren't that many real craft brews available. Does that make sense? You know, so I suppose the, yeah, the choice would be an imported beer, not an Australian. Pro- yeah, made. probably. Yeah, because I mean, it was about I, when I turned eighteen. Was about the time when the imported beers became. That was the thing. That was mm. the, that was what the big breweries realised how they could get more money out of us was basically selling us other countries uh, <laughs> and wide mouth cans. <laughs> regular, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this basically sells other you know countries regular beers at an inflated price because they were from <laughs> other countries. That small person syndrome that we have in Australia, where everything from overseas is slightly better. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess the the Matilda Bay brand, you know, was was something that. Um, had been around and, you know, sort of a, yeah, I guess one of the pioneers of craft beer. So, um, you know, for me, and, and I guess for my old man, I mean, we can thank my old man again for that one because that was sort of his special beer and then became a beer that I liked and, as I said, treated myself. Well, um, you've been very parochial yourself, Foster's <laughs> and then Matilda Bay. Yeah, 100%, yeah. I've, choice three. Uh, yes. Uh, choice three, what have I... I've, um, this one is an interesting one, actually, because I reckon... Um, I, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts and people have always talked about beers that they've liked. Mm. This one is actually not a beer that I liked. This is a beer that I hated. <laughs> <laughs> but, Good. It, but I think it needs to get in there anyway. So I um, moved to the States um, in around 2005. Uh, I worked for a big Aussie uh, company. I was, I was in IT. Um, yada yada so about my first week in the states so basically I, I lived in boston um i worked about 40 minutes south of boston so i lived in the actual city but i, I worked sort of out in the suburbs i guess um right next to the reebok headquarters which i don't mm. know if anyone actually knows but is in the shape of the reebok tick or the reebok symbol or the, not the tick but the double swoosh yeah, yeah, thing yeah. so that that's wow if you look at it from the air it looks like <laughs> the thing so we were next door to that and and dunkin donuts and that if anyone knows the american so they were they were headquartered next to us as well so we were sandwiched in between those and anyway at the end of our street there was like a a typical american like towny kind of bar restaurant thing and um about maybe five days in, my boss said to me, you know, let's go grab a beer after work. It was an uh, American bloke. Um, and we went in and I ordered the Harpoon Double IPA. I had no idea what I was ordering. <laughs> so, you know, have gone from drinking mostly domestic drafts in Australia 
um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the odd wheat beer and, and things like that, um, to this uh, double IPA. And I remember taking a sip of it and it tasted a little bit like putting, you know, ball bearings in my mouth and sucking on a 9-volt battery. <laughs> I, I think I necked about maybe a quarter of the pint because it was... I didn't really like it, but I was just... And then I didn't want to look like a pussy in front of my boss. Like, it's my brand new boss. And also, he's an American. Like, I don't know why that really annoyed me. You know what I mean? But I want it to be bigger and stronger than him or something like that. And I remember about maybe 20 minutes later, he said to me, um, is your beer all right? Or something along those lines. You know, do you like that beer? And I was like, yeah. You know, of course. <laughs> it's like real... It's like... Adios, mate, it's beer. Don't you know? We drink beer in Australia, yeah, and drunk some more. Um, but I must have been sort of like subconsciously like trying to push it off the edge of the bar or something <laughs> along those lines. Cause, um, but about maybe oh, two and a half years ago or something, like three years ago maybe, I found myself back in Boston and I went and I found this beer purposely and I had it and it was amazing. Really? Because I, lo- I love double IPAs and things like that now. You know wow. what I mean? Like my taste buds have grown and you know I've, I've changed, I guess, in my beer drinking. But that was probably <laughs> one of my first... Um, you know, forays into like, I mean, it's probably a terrible place to start. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we all know that now. If you tried to get your mate who, you know, mostly just drinks lagers, you you would not turn around straight away and say like, all right, let's go find a, I don't even know what a hyper, <laughs> hyper double IPA is, you know, but it's got to be, it's pretty big. It's pretty brave as well. Obviously, you did it um, without knowing, but to order a double IPA straight off the bat. Well, that's what <laughs> I just after work drinks. At, the, at the nearest tap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of like, and over, I don't know if you've ever been to the states or that area, uh, but they have all the, the the long tap handles. You know, with the, the mm. fancy decals and all that kind of. St- you know, so I probably just looked at went at the cool. most handsome. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's a, that was right in front of me, and and gave it a crack. And yeah, as I said, I think the thing that makes me always laugh about it was just sort of that idea of like pretending like I liked it, you know, because I didn't want to look, you know, weak in front of my new boss. You know what I mean? That, that's not what, how you really want to start off. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like beer. Uh, and I, I think I did even have that sort of like Australian parochialism of sort of, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, Australia like is definitely seen as a beer drinking country. <laughs> exactly. Like it's such a beer drinking country yeah. from other people overseas. Yes. And when I got here... I was expecting a bit more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, kind yeah. of and I was trying to live up to that. So when my and then my, and my boss that I had over there was sort of, um, you know, he was like he was the guy that drove like a small um, uh, convertible uh, soft top sports car and and wore like silly. Um, Christmas sweaters, not because of the like ironic nature of it, but because you know what I mean. Like that's what he did. So you know, so like there was even that thing of like not you know really wanting to be sort of like you know I'm I'm a strong Aussie bloke or something. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, kind of talking of the the preconceptions of beer industry and the the preconceptions of like people who drink beer, competitive souls like yourself. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, you're in an industry which is. Um, you have very well-established wine tours in Australia. Yep. And the wine industry has such a romantic image. It's, you know, you're going through sweeping fields yes, and, yes, like, yep, yep. these lovely vineyards and you're always, the sun's always setting <laughs> and, you <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you're holding these beautiful glasses and, you know, you're putting your arm around someone you shouldn't and it's fantastic. But with beer, beer is traditionally a very dirty, urban, uh, dangerous correct. business. Yeah, how do you kind of uh, get it? You know, when people are jumping online to go, oh, we'll do a wine tour. How do you take a bit of that that away, or do uh, you? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we... There's a couple of things. We, we enjoy um, the idea that we're actually giving someone something new. It goes back to that idea that we have all kind of been on a wine tour or we've all done a wine tasting or we've all... We all kind of know something about wine. I often use this sort of example. If you often ask, say, like the average American, um, so maybe even someone over there that doesn't really drink wine and said, can you name five wine styles? They struggle because they're actually not a wine-drinking culture. Obviously, they have a massive winery industry. You know, I think they've got 20-something thousand wineries. You know, they've got famous wine regions like the Napa, and people over there do drink wine. But often for a lot of people over there, if you are drinking wine, you're drinking at a restaurant, you ask the person at the restaurant for their recommendation or whatever. It's not... Whereas in Australia, if you even say to people that don't drink wine, can you name five wine styles? They do it easily because we're bombarded with the advertising. We are a big wine drinking nation. Because it's subsidized by the government, to be honest, we also drink wine different than a lot of other nations. We drink it at the pub, you know, by the glass, oh, yeah. which a lot of other nations don't do that. Even your big wine drinking nations, it's more, again, with food, with family, you know, in that kind of environment, not in a nightclub. You know, if you're in France, you don't go to a nightclub and buy a glass of Savs, <laughs> have you be? You know, but you do in Australia. So we have a different... Whereas if you said to most Aussies, you know, do you have a... Can you name five beer styles? They can't do it. Yet the Americans can because they have that, mm. that sort of cultural thing around it. So I think that's one fun thing about and one selling point that we kind of have to people a little bit and what a lot of people joy about the tours is they're actually going out and doing something they've never done before. Yet the winery tour is getting like a little old. Not to say that winery tours aren't fun or you can't mm. go to some amazing places, drink some amazing stuff, but it's not new. You never walk away from a winery tour now going... Oh my god! Like I didn't know that they made wine out of grapes. You know what I mean? I didn't know that they put wine into barrels. Like it's not. There's nothing to learn. You know, there's no not even really anything crazy new flavor wise because you don't. There aren't wines that taste like bacon, or there's not wines that taste like chocolate. Like they might have hints of chocolate, but they're not. Mm. You know, they're, they're not in that. So that's one kind of fun thing about it. I think from the um, that other kind of idea of even the the thought processes around them. To be honest, I think we're pretty lucky with a lot of our guests and. If you spoke to a lot of wine tour operators, they would say that they have the worst of it. You get, you know, 18 girls on a box out in the Yarra Valley. It's not always the beautiful, dainty wine experience that you uh, probably had pictured in the brochure. That's not what you really sold them. So, yeah, I mean, we we definitely get groups that, um, you know, they can get a little loose and have fun. But to me, that there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're having fun in the right, um, in the right way. You know, as long as you're not being rude or insulting or any of those terrible things like a bit a bit of you know belting out a tune with everybody else in the bar or you know doing things like that i've no problem with that in fact i openly encourage it (laughs) if possible you know so i think that's fine well i think um one thing that the beer industry has over the wine industry is that you can put a brewery out in a beautiful location out in the yarra valley Mm -hmm. but you can't put a lovely vineyard in Abbotsford, correct. Or what in, I'm saying, you no, know, no, so definitely true. there is a little bit of an attempt in Abbotsford, just outside Abbotsford Convents, but definitely, um, yeah, you can't have those, you know. And there is a really nice thing about, say, the Urban Tour, yes, where you can discover new spots in your home city, correct, yes, uh, which you which opens up doors that you you know yeah. didn't know were there. You so are, I mean, that's, a, I mean, technically, you could put a winery anywhere because a winery and a vineyard are technically separate, but. You're right. Not, Most not in my mind. My, and correct. <laughs> and not and not really. Does that make sense? In like, if you are a bona fide like boutique winery, you have your own vineyard. You're not buying in grapes from somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like realistically. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's great that we have that. And that one of the, that's one of the things we like about our tour as well is a lot of the wineries I even find feel the same. 
Uh, to be honest, even with the, uh, some of the whiny sauce, we were either openly to our face uh, within the industry or behind our back ridiculed by some of the winery tour companies mm. as like, that'll never really work. Who really wants to go out and do that? I don't even understand what craft beer is anyway. You'd think they would have been all over that kind of stuff. But they're all adding in either craft brewed beer tours now or they're adding in the breweries and the cideries and the distilleries that we've been doing for years because that's what people want now. They don't want mm. to go out and visit four or five wineries in a day. They want to throw in, you know, some brew, some beer, some cider, some spirits. So uh, there is every so often that you kind of pat yourself on the back a little bit just for getting there first. You know, you, you didn't really, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you, well, they say imi- yeah. imitation is the greatest form of flattery. 100%, so, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's... Um, a good development uh, for yourself. It's healthy competition, but you know, as a first starter, you, you're yeah. in there before everybody. So, um, choice four. Um, we're back onto a beer that I like. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like Harpoon Double IPA now. Um, this was probably one of the beers that made me realise, in some ways, maybe that I was drinking craft beer, or that made me understand a little bit uh, about how craft beer or the industry or anything like that worked um so again it's over in the states one of the interesting things about being over there is that we didn't actually realize for a long time that we were drinking craft beer because we got in late on their craft beer market so we just thought we were drinking american beer Mm -hmm. and then american beer just happened to come in all of these flavors (laughs) and that we didn't have those in australia because we were backwards or america just had more choice because it seemed to have more choice in everything you know so that mm. that was kind of interesting in fact the first time uh again probably shouldn't tell this story uh to potential listeners but uh the first time i ordered a beer in the states uh we got we flew in we said to the bloke who i was flying with let's go grab a beer we walked into this little dive bar that was about you know four meters wide and about 20 meters long i walked to the end of the bar i went up the front i said can i please have a beer the guy said, which beer? And this is my exact answer, and I'm not proud of it, but I said, you know, beer, cold, wet, and clumps in a glass. That was literally <laughs> my answer because I was used to just walking into a pub in Australia and saying, can I have a beer? You know, that gave me a you know, a pint of Carlton Draft or something. Um, and he said, what beer? And he pointed to all the taps, and he, I said, what's everyone else drinking? Because I, I, I didn't even notice that, you know, the, this place had 20 taps, even though it was just a dive bar. And he said, everyone else is drinking the pumpkin ale. And I said, do you have any beers that aren't made out of pumpkin? That was my answer. <laughs> um, but a couple of years later, um, I used to play AFL actually over in the States. I'm coming across as such an Aussie bogan right now. Um, but I played AFL over there and uh, it was really great. Half the, the team had to be um, American and that. So you, you created really good, good mates and all that kind of stuff. And we used to go drink at a bar in Harvard, um, which is where the university is. Um, or in Cambridge, sorry. Um, and... I walked in one year, we used to play footy in summer, and um, so we would start training in spring, and we walked in one spring to the bar, and the girl behind the bar said, Sam Summers on tap, and all my mates at footy were like high-fiving and hugging each other, <laughs> you know, like there was a real, I'm really excited about this beer. Because Sam Summers uh, sounds like a kind of 1980s pop exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Samuel Adams Summer Ale, it should be uh, called, yeah. But they, she said Sam Summers on tap, and they were all very happy. They were buying, like, you know, pints and jugs and very happy about the whole idea. And I remember having the beer and being like, well, yeah, it's all right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'd 
like hug a bloke over it or something like that. I don't know how excited I'd get about this beer, but sure, it's, it's quite a nice beer. It's actually not dissimilar to um, it's a it's a Belgian wheat beer, so it's you know probably in the same realms as a your your Redback or whatever. Um, but then we drunk it a lot during summer, and they take it away from you because it's a, one of Sam Samuel Adams seasonals, and then the next summer. Pretty much almost the exact same scene happened again. We walked in after footy <laughs> practice. The girls like Sam Summers on tap. And I was just as excited about everybody else. And it was that realization that this beer is summer. And in Boston, that beer is summer. It comes out in spring. And, you know, it, almost in Melbourne, like the first 30-degree day signifies when summer starts. Mm. Um, it was like that when Sam Summer came out. That was when summer starts in Boston. It doesn't want to ma- matter what the calendar says. It, Samuel, Samuel Adams now <laughs> dictates to you wow. when summer starts, when you can start having fun. And I, I think it was that thing of realizing that this beer now had all these, like, real positive memory associations to it. It was... Uh, barbecues, it was hanging out with my mates, it was concerts, it was baseball matches, it was footy trips. It was all those things because we drunk it so much during summer that it just was summer now. And this kind of idea that the flavour of it was different, it had summer flavours. I don't know how you explain summer (laughs) flavours. It sounds like something that... Um, summer flavors sounds summer like the back in act to, to, yeah, to Sam Summer. Sam Summer, yeah, Samuel Summer. What a and duo! The, and, the, and the summer flavors, yeah. But it was, it was, and it was just a cracking. It's a cracking beer. It's very drinkable. But yeah, it was probably one of the first times I, I don't know. I, I guess I, that I thought about what I was really drinking and realized that we were drinking craft beer, or that yeah, that the mm. idea that they took it away and bought it back. Like I'm a big fan of seasonals and all that kind of stuff, and it was because of that. I'd never even thought of seasonal beers before that. I never even thought of the idea that what you drink in summer would be different than winter, or autumn, yeah. or spring, or where you were. And that was probably one of those realizations of like, yeah, I do like drinking different things at this time of year or whatever. Yeah, because we're kind of spoiled, you know, now where we can, you know, we have like a, a Stonewall Pacific Ale all year round. We have like those, you know, even though it's, a, that's a classic example of a summer beer. Yes. We've, we can have it whenever we want. Correct, and, yeah. and, and And there's something really nice about a seasonal ale, 100%. which is actually, you have to, you know, you get it before it runs out yes. and then you've got to wait. And I, think, I think there's a, it takes a ballsy brewery to take a beer off that he's selling well. But yes. I think if you can do that, it will do better for you in the long run because of that idea that if it become, as I said, in Boston, that is like almost such a cultural thing now that people hang out for it. You know what I mean? And that it signifies a sort of summer that you've created this, yeah, this, this, it's, a part of, it's part of the culture over there. So if you can manage to sort of do that. I, I know even um, a few years back, Forex tried to do it. They bought out... Forex summer, and I think the things that they just got wrong is it didn't really taste that much different than normal Forex. It was just sort of like a maybe a watered down version of the, like an even <laughs> yeah. less tasting version of Forex. And then at the end of summer, they had this um this press release saying now available 365 days a year, and I'm like, well, it's not Forex summer anymore. It's just Forex 365. <laughs> and like, what's the point? Like, I don't understand what you've really done. But it was because they discovered that because it was I think it was also a low carb beer. That they that it became popular amongst that that crowd, and then they didn't want to take it off because it affected their you know they they could sell it all year round or whatever. But I think there's something to be said for a brewery who can bring out a cracking summer beer, you know, have again summer flavors, the backing band that makes you 
connect with the season and, and, and mem- again, that positive memory association and all those kind of things so that when they do take it away and they bring it back, the next time you bring it back, it's just all those... It's like that song that reminds you of, you know, when you were 16 at the beach or whatever it may be where it'll always make you happy, you know? So those Melbourne... Brewers who are listening, that's the challenge yes, from yeah, Scott. That's it is, yeah. Is you need to define a season. Yes. Doesn't matter autumn, spring, summer, 100%. winter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's and Sam Adams again was probably the first brewery that we realised that did that. They have the winter warmer, they have their Oktoberfest, they have um yeah, their their Halloween beer. You know what I mean? They have all those they have, I think about they've got about eight or nine now, seasonal beers. So Perfect. Cracking so idea. We've we started off local. We've gone over to the States. Yep. Choice five. Where are um, we going to go to? <laughs> this is the beer that I always get asked on tour, what's your favorite beer? I hate it. <laughs> that is <laughs> a bad question. Such a hard question. I actually, answer. when I was coming up with this podcast, <laughs> yep. it was like the six, my initial idea was the six beers, that you, the last six beers you'd ever drink. All right, yep. And I, I just thought, it's too hard. Yeah, it is. For people yeah. who really enjoy beer, it's yeah. too hard. And what's the, um like, why am I... Because if, like, just say I was on death row, it'd probably be the most, <laughs> the six most <laughs> high alcohol beers I could uh, find. You know what I mean? Like, so when they took me to the gallows, I was uh, I was out. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I think it's a hard beer because of that, you know, what, you know, what's the, what am I, what I feel like, how many beers am I having, am I eating, mm. am I out with my mates, what, what, what's the temperature, you know, right, you know, what there's time all those, time is a year, is it, all those things. Am I in Boston? Exactly <laughs> right, you know, there, there is, there's a thousand ways you could cut up that question. Um, because I think I've had to answer it, and because this is one of those beers that I really do just love, I've always loved it, it's such, I don't, I don't know why, I just, every time I, if I see it out, I, I should do the beer, it's, it's, um, it's tall poppy from eight wide in New Zealand. I think it's a it's a mi- because it's sort of your um, I guess hoppy amber ale. It kind of combines a lot of things I like. I actually really like multi beers. I really like hoppy mm-hmm. beers. Um, it kind of is a bit of both. It's just that right level of booziness where you can kind of like smash a little bit of it. But every single time I buy it, I get it like about halfway through the maybe the second or third bottle. I'm like, oh, that's right. This thing is like actually like seven and a half percent or whatever. It's just so easy to drink, you know. But um, and I just love it. It's just, yeah, it's a cracking beer. I can kind of drink it in any kind of weather because it's kind of hoppy enough that it's sort of refreshing. But it's got a big enough malt body that it's kind of warming, you know, big enough ABV. I guess it kind of hugs you a little bit. It just yeah, it's just a cracking beer that I love. Have I said cracking enough when it comes to this beer? It's, it's cracking. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, love it. You, I know you had a bit of difficulty getting down to your sixth mm. choice. Um, I have a list. I'm counting. I think there's like eight or nine on it. I wrote these down so I didn't forget. Okay, I let, know that's a silly thing let's to do. Let just read out your list, <laughs> and then. We will. We'll start with. I'll force you to decide yeah. one to choose. We'll start. With, we'll start with Yingling in the states. It's the oldest brewery in America. I put it down because I accidentally stole a stab slab from there. So I feel like <laughs> I should. Uh, if I mention it, on the, if I mention it enough, yeah, that sounds like a, f- a robust defense in court. Yeah, I, I accidentally <laughs> stole a slab. slab. Yeah. I didn't realize until later that I'd stolen it. It was a mix-up between like who was picking them up and who was paying and all that kind of stuff, or how many we were taking. And um, so I figured if I mention them in enough places, that <laughs> they'll get their thirty-five dollars or whatever yeah, slab is twenty-four beers worth, worth back, exactly yeah. out of it. Uh, it's good, good beer though. And, I, and again, I kind of liked in visiting the brewery and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, Magic Hat IPA. It's another American one. Drunk it at a few festivals, I think, over in the States. Mm. Um, uh, Mountain Goat Summer Cans. I love tins. Yeah, I great. love them. Yeah. I think that, that that is, again, one of those beers that um, if I'm ever buying Mountain Goat Summer Cans, I'm probably going to the beach or to the park or to a festival which means that I'm having an awesome time. <laughs> so therefore, you know, that's what it is. That beer is an awesome time. You put summer in the yeah, yeah, oh, put summer in the name, yeah. and it's got to be good. Has got to be good. Yeah, um, I think. Am I right in saying that they did once stop making that during winter? I think they may have. I mm, have I'm a feeling sure. it, it's now all year round. Stop that mountain goat. Stop making it all year round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If a marketing person ever, they're probably like, you're an idiot. Yeah, you have no off. idea how to actually sell and market a beer. <laughs> um, stop it though. Just bring it out during summer. Um, that's another one. Um, watermelon Warhead. Oh, I love that beer. I love it. That's surprisingly low in percentage, I think. Yeah, it's like I, in I, the threes. Yeah, I think it is 2.8, I think, or something yeah. that they bought right. it out at. Yeah. What, yeah. I think, um, though, that there is. Um, Sometimes I want that. Mm. Like I want, I don't, I don't want to get drunk or yeah. even, uh, even really get a buzz on. I just want, really want to drink something that's like mm. real tasty. That's one of those beers. I remember going to the Great Northern not long after they bought buying it out. I think I actually the first time I went to the Great Northern that I actually had to work the next day. And obviously, if if we're driving people around, you can't be drinking. And I had about like eight pints of it. And I was like so happy that I wasn't hammered. You know what I mean? Because I was having such a great time. Such a, it's a lot of a sour actually to drink, to be honest. Eight, eight pints. But it, yeah. it was, I just love it. It's a, it's a great beer. And for a little while actually, um, I think I voted in um, like the, I had something that wasn't the People's Choice Awards. It was like an industry thing that I got asked to vote in once. And a couple of things like that. Or, you know, people would ask me for various bits and pieces. And I'd, put that as sort of my favourite beer in Oz. Not not just because... Um, it was because it was a bit new. It was a bit different as well. Like, I kind of rewarded it mm. based on that a little bit as well, not just because I think it was a great great beer. And that's brewed by Feral. Obviously, gets overshadowed by Hop Hog, Hop Hog and, and Sly yeah, Fox 100%. and um, yep. Karma Citra and all yes. of those, which obviously you see in Dan Murphy's or wherever. Correct, yeah. Um, so, I've yeah, oh, good shouts. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of um, Holgate... Temptress and Empress cannot go wrong. Um, I nearly killed my best mate once. Um, I know the guys from Ale of a Time mentioned Bureau, so I actually worked at Bureau for a little while, five dollar pint nights. I remember those. Um, and uh, I remember one time when we were leaving. Uh, one, I think actually it might not have been when they want to work there anymore. It might have been when, um, might have been after I'd left. But we went back in there to drink, and uh, I made my best mate do. I think it was like nine shots of uh, blue Caracao for a free <laughs> bottle of uh, Holgate Empress. It was like the last <laughs> bottle of it that was left. Like, wow. like I'm not joking, like almost in the state at that stage. And I nearly killed him. Like I said, I remember <laughs> the next day being like, I almost killed you just so I could have a bottle of beer. Like I nearly <laughs> killed my best mate just for a, just for a bottle of beer. <laughs> It's a terrible thing to do. Nine shots of blue cocoa. So, uh, what? Tell us what the percentage of the Empress was. Was that? Because um, that would have been pretty it's a high. great. I think it was definitely higher. I don't know if yeah. it was. I don't know if it was massive. To be honest, because the Temptress is round six. Yeah, I think. And that is a beer which yes. signifies winter. Oh, one hundred percent. Great, great. And I think um, 
Yeah, there probably wasn't a lot of maybe like porters and stouts are drunk. Mm. Uh, that, actually, that's not entirely true. Some of my favourite. There's actually a beer that I don't know the name of that would have probably possibly made my six, but I don't know what it's called. So mm. I couldn't tell you. It wouldn't have been much fun, but it was a. <laughs> it was probably one of the first real... Uh, it was a double chocolate um, stout. That's all I can remember. We used to, I'd drunk up at the snow. Um, and that was probably when I first was kind of like, hey, I can like really high alcohol beers and I can like... Um, you know, porters and stouts and all that kind of stuff. But as I said, I have no idea what it is, so it it's not, doesn't make for a great story. <laughs> in fact, even in my head, I'm like, did it, did it exist? Is it a myth? Uh, but I'm pretty it sure it could did. be. You know, in those hacienda days of five dollar pints. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> you yeah, know. exactly right. I remember sort of one of the guys coming back after. Um, I think the Ale of Time guys mentioned um, Brewdog Tokyo even off yes, those five dollar yeah. nights. But I can still remember a bloke coming back and like as I sort of poured him the beer and like handed it to him, he like took it off the counter and he was like this is my third one of these. And I kind of like reached out and went to sort of grab it out of his hand a little bit like, don't do that. You know, like we are going to be peeling you off the back carpet or something like that or the back wall, you know, room. I think he, uh, yeah, I don't think he actually survived because uh, that's a ridiculous beer to drink by the pint. Um, yes. But yeah, $5. I don't know what Empress is. I don't even know, to be honest, if when they made the different versions of it, if they were different ABVs. Mm. That's... Um, yeah, maybe someone can uh, tweet or yes, email in. And tell us. I should know those things, know. but I don't. And if you ask me that on tour, I just lie. <laughs> uh, I never do that. Um, Hargraves Hill Phoenix. I love it. I love it. One of the breweries we go to. I yep. get it every year. It's probably one of the few beers that I buy. I usually get about maybe six of them. Um, they usually give me one, like, you know, just say thank you for coming in after I've already bought, like, five. And often they don't know that I've already bought, like, five of them. And I'm like, excellent. Now, you know, I've got more. And like, each year when it comes out, I, like, have a bit of a night, um, you know, either drinking with a mate or by myself or something like that where I crack, like, the last three years of them in and, wow. and drink them all and stuff like that. I just love it. It's great. Again, um, it's actually getting hoppier every year, I find, as well. They're kind of... Um, which I like. Um, the idea, again, massive, sort of big, rich um, amber ale, but they're sort of hopping it up a little bit every year. You know, it usually sits again between that 98 and 11%. Um, yeah, just great beer. And it does kind of age well, obviously, the hops drop out, but it's got the malt body to carry it all and all that kind of stuff, so sort of can't go wrong with it. The Napoleon Braggot. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, first Braggot I've ever had, So which is sort of... Um, you know, with the, with the honey and the spices. I, 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 again, I kind of like those, um, anything that tastes like plum pudding and mm. things along those lines that have those sort of, you know, Christmas cake, rich plum pudding sort of um, flavours and things. This one, um, this beer I love. They did it for a dinner called Ale of the Ages, um, oh, which okay. again, sort of talking about beer culture and history, something that I quite like. Um, it was a cracking beer. I got really worried because I ca- cracked a keg of it just recently and all the spice had dropped out, and I've got like a bunch of them at home. And so I, I literally went home that night and cracked one of the bottles, like other bottles <laughs> aging, like the kegs. You know what I mean? Like, but it, yeah, yeah. it just I think was the way the keg uh, yeah. maybe had, had been filled or um, carbonated or whatever that had caused it to maybe not age as well, but the bottles were still fine. But I, I almost had this like I was on tour and I tasted it, and I almost had this thing of panic. Like I've got like a dozen <laughs> of these at home. You know what I mean? Like I really hope they don't taste like this because they tasted amazing the first uh, round around. No, uh, they still tasted alright the second, but just not what I wanted. Is that if that makes sense? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm happy that they're keeping up. I've still got a few um, at home. Um, and the other one that I put down was the um, the Brewdog Abstract Five. Mm. Um, which was a coconut, I think it was a coconut porter. I don't think it was a coconut stout. I'm pretty sure it was a coconut porter. Um, I might even still have a bottle in my 
I've got like a underground box thing that I bury my beers in. Um, <laughs> I might have a bottle of it still. It probably it's probably actually shot to pieces because it's got to be pretty old now. Uh, hopefully, it's holding up. But um, yeah, just another uh, probably a beer again when I had it that. I wasn't 100% sure if I would like. Like, I don't even like bounty bars. So, how do I like chocolate? <laughs> how do I like chocolate porters, you know? It has that chocolate... Um, you do like cherry ripe, though. I don't. I hate cherry ripe. You, you are yeah, Australian. I know. <laughs> it's like it's as and, and the start of the podcast made me sound like the biggest bogan <laughs> Aussie, you know, over in there in America, drinking Fosters. Uh, playing and now food. you've revealed yeah, your urbanite, yeah, you know, exactly. hipster side. You're <laughs> exactly. rejecting the core of what it is yeah, to be an Australian. Saying, I don't really dig cherry ripes either. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of... I like. It's funny because I like coconut and I like coconut milk and I like coconut water which a lot of people don't and I like um, uh, you know curries and things but I don't like confectionery coconut which I think mm. is I don't know if it's a texture thing or it's just a weird taste or yeah my sister has a it? thing about fruit in unnatural places yeah well which can mean a whole yeah, range of yeah. things <laughs> um, I actually had a I found it weird in America how they would often stick fruit in your beer without asking you that used to annoy me sometimes like I'd go buy a yeah. beer and I'd come back and there'd be like a, a cocktail cherry in it really I'd be like, don't do that I didn't no. ask for a cocktail cherry. Ask me, do I, do, would you like a cocktail cherry in your beer? And then I'll say no. <laughs> like, but I used to find it weird. Like, I'd come back and you know there'd be a yeah, a, a lemon, a lime, a grapefruit or something. But I didn't ask for it. Like, I always just found it a weird thing that you'd yeah stick something foreign in someone's beer without asking. I kind of had, had that bit in in Asia where it, ice in the beer as yeah, well. Which yes, I, yeah. I kind of. Not fully against, yes. but just the first time it happened, yeah. I was like, "Hey, God, <laughs> yeah." What is going and again, on? there's just that thing of like, I don't know, just ask me. Like, yeah. I just would like to. Well, no, it's just said. The thing is, if, if they would have asked me, it. I still would have said yes, yeah. just to be polite. Again, I think I just like <laughs> ripping on the Americans for it. No, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, but it uh, was a bit. But I think that's my. I think that's my entire list. I put, I did put the Black Rock Coconut Porter down next to the Brewdog, but I think it breaks your rules because I don't think that was commercially available. I'm pretty sure that was a oh, Gabs okay. Um, but S- Sam, she yeah, well, she well, that. well worth a mention. Um, still, and look, I'm gonna, gonna drill down here, Scott, to try and force you to uh, take put fill that last spot in yeah. the six pack. Um, I'm going to, I'm gonna go with, um, I'm gonna go with watermelon warhead, just on the off chance that someone listens to this, decides that they want to drink these beers, and goes and gets it. Fantastic. Because the other ones might be hard for them to find, or the Phoenix only comes out once a year. If you can get your hands on the Phoenix, I recommend everyone do it. It's great. It comes about out pretty much this week every year. But Watermelon Waterhead, great beer, sour. It's approachable, I think, as well in that category. It's a smashing beer. Sometimes you need a light beer. You don't want, you've got to work the next day. You've got to drive a bus around. You've got to drink eight pints. <laughs> exactly. You've got to drink eight pints of it at the Great Northern. Um, that's why I'll go with that. Why not? Perfect. Great Scott? Beer been an absolute pleasure awesome. to have you on the podcast um i where can people book a tour where can they find you online um, so aussiebrewerytours.com.au um, inventive name for the business <laughs> uh inventive website and uh it's ausbrewerytours uh for our instagrams and twitters uh we definitely probably don't engage as much as other businesses or as much as we should on public uh on the social medias, that's because I don't understand how it works. But if you, um, well, if you look, but we will be there. If, if you if you do it, I think it does pop up on my phone or it'll pop up on Paul's phone. 
and one uh, of us all. Well, I'd recommend here. anyone to uh, to go on one of the uh, Aussie Brewery tours. Um, take a look at TripAdvisor as well um, for the reviews. Speak for themselves. Yep. Thanks awesome. for sharing your chosen brew. Yeah. And uh, some brilliant choices there. And no hopefully, problems. it does inspire some people to go out and try something yeah. new. Um, Thanks very much. No problems at all. Cheers, mate. So that was it, Scott. Of Aussie Brewery Tours. It was such an enjoyable chat, so thanks very much to Scott for making the time. Thanks also to Moondog for being very accommodating and fitting us in to the side room. So it was a little bit quieter for recording. And thanks to Sam for quietly working away around us during the recording there as well. So coming up in the next episode, Phrase and Grum from Exit Brewing. So if you haven't had any of the exit brews yet, get yourself down to the bottle shop and have a little try before you listen to the episode. Fraze and Grum both have six beers that they talk through. So a bumper episode of 12 beers that changed everything in the next episode. Here's a little preview so you know what to expect. I had it and I was like, oh wow, how awesome is this? You know, who are these guys? They happened to have an open bottle, and I was like, oh, yeah, they've, they've got this one spot on. That's amazing. So I think I bought a couple of bottles, and I think you were still in the UK at that point. So put one in my closet and left one for you. And yeah, just, Did I get that? I, I don't know. I don't remember receiving that bottle. It was, yeah. it was a nice thought you had anyway. Yeah. That was, that was no, really that was, good that you that thought was my to do plan. that. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I, I don't know where it went if you didn't get it. Thanks very much for listening to the Chosen Brew podcast. You can really do me a favor and share it with your friends. Like the Chosen Brew podcast page on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. And probably the one that makes the most difference is a review on iTunes. You can do that directly from your iPhone. Just go into, click on the little magnifying glass search button in the podcast app. Type in the Chosen Brew podcast. Press on the Chosen Brew icon. It'll come up with the tabs at the top one of them will read reviews and if you click on that they'll give you the option to write a review so you can do that straight from your iphone that'd be really appreciated you can also follow me on twitter as well thanks very much for listening to the chosen brew podcast hope to have a beer with you soon see you next time <laughs>